Uh, we're really thankful to be here with you today. My name's Dan Viss. I want to thank you for the opportunity to serve as your pastor. Looking forward to that. My wife's name is Vi. Her name is Vi Viss, a pretty original name, unique name. She's the better part of the team for sure. And uh, we're looking forward to visiting some of you, getting acquainted with you. Uh, anyway, it's going to take some time, but we're going to work on it as fast as we, hand, as we, we can. This morning, I want to share a very simple, brief message. I want us to consider seriously the possibilities for our future. To consider just what might be in the days to come. Amen? I invite you to bow your head. I want to kneel and just pray once more the Holy Spirit will be with us. Father in heaven, as we prepare to open your word, I pray that you would just open our hearts, my heart, that I can receive every prompting from heaven, know exactly what to say, and you would interpret every word to each person here in this room. Speak to us about our future, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start by talking a little bit about memory, about remembering things. There's definitely a place for remembering, isn't there? We need to remember our origin, our past, our history. It's important because these things shape us. They define who we are. It frames our life, our backgrounds, our experiences, our education, our training. Our past has a huge impact on who we are today. And our memories, they shape our personality, they shape our character, they make us who we are. And there's certainly a lot of things worth remembering. Stories that we've heard, lessons that we've learned as we've gone through life, people that we've lost. You know, when we remember them, there's a certain part of them that we keep with us while we wait for the resurrection. Amen. We need to remember the adventures that we've had in our life, the victories, the challenges, even our heartaches and our setbacks and our disappointments. We need to remember these things because they're all an important part of our life experiences. When I look back on my life, all the way back to when I was just a little boy and all the twists and turns, it's just one long, crazy, convoluted story. But it makes me who I am. And there's a place for each of us to look back on our lives and think about the journey that God has led us through and to celebrate our stories. Our past is important. Ellen White made this statement. I think someone referred to it maybe this morning. It's in the book, uh, Life Sketches, page 196. We have nothing to fear for the future, what? Except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. So there's clearly a place for remembering things learning from our past so we can make good choices in the present so we can have the future that God intends for us to have. Remembering is also biblical. Many verses I could give you, Deuteronomy 4.9, Take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from the heart all the days of thy life. Deuteronomy 4.23, Take heed to yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord. Your God, which he's made with you, and we do something he's commanded us, forbidden us to do. Deuteronomy 6.12, beware lest you forget the Lord, 
which brought us out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And many more verses along those lines. The New Testament says the same thing. Jude chapter 1, verse 17. Beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember what God has told us in His Word. 1 Corinthians 15, 2 says we're saved if we keep in memory what Paul said to us. Hebrews 2, verse 1 we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. In fact, it says we can even lose our salvation if we do. I'm not going to talk about Bible memorization, by the way, today, but you will hear a sermon on that at some point, because that's an important part of our Christian journey, hiding God's word in our heart. Amen? We need to remember, the Bible's clear, we need to remember the things that he has taught us. And by the way, there's another aspect of this I just want to mention briefly if you have your Bibles open to the book of Isaiah, turn to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46, starting with verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is... How many more? None else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God says, you need to remember the former things because from ancient times I predicted what was going to happen. You know, God has an amazing ability to not just predict or guess or estimate what's going to happen. He knows the future. Amen? And He foretells it in, in, in exquisite detail exactly what's going to happen, and he laid it out centuries ago. But if we don't have any knowledge of our past, of our history, it's very hard to understand or to see those prophecies being fulfilled. If I don't know anything about the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, am I really going to understand Daniel chapter 2? If I don't really know anything about the Dark Ages and what caused, caused them to be called the Dark Ages, am I really going to be able to understand Revelation chapter 13? It's just falling off my ear here. Anyway, but you get my point. Knowing history, knowing our past is critical if we want to interpret Bible prophecy, especially fulfilled prophecy. So we need to do what this verse says. We need to remember the former things of old. So again, just to summarize, remembering things is important. But today I want to suggest that remembering things can also be dangerous. Remembering things can be dangerous. Turn with me back to our scripture reading, Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Notice what it says here, just a few chapters before. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Kind of a bit of a paradox, isn't it? In one place it says you need to remember the former things, but here it says don't remember the former things. You get a clue as to why it's important not to remember things in the very next verse. Because God says in verse 19, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Because behold, I will do what? A new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. So the reason we need to be careful about looking back is that sometimes God wants to do a new thing. Something that we've never seen before. Something that we might otherwise think, would think is impossible. Because we're looking at our past experiences. It's fine to remember the lessons that God has taught us, the experiences He's brought us through. 
the, the, God, the times that God has intervened in our life, the promises He's given, the way He's delivered us. It's great to remember these things, but we need to be careful about letting our memories of the past, our past experience, to limit our idea of what the future can be. Amen? That was pretty weak. Amen? We can't let our past define our future because God wants to do a new thing. Amen? Somehow we need to learn how to lock our faith into a God that astounds. A God that astounds. The God of the impossible. The God who exceeds our expectations. The God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen? I mean, that's the God we serve, isn't it? Isn't it? It's okay to say amen. It's okay to talk back to me. I don't mind. I'm going to propose to us today and in the coming days that we lock our faith into a God that astounds, not some other kind of God. Notice what it is that God wants to do. Remember not to former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. You're going to know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. God wants to bless us because we are his people. Amen? But we're, we're His chosen people. God has chosen us, and He wants to bless us in special ways. He wants to bless us in unexpected ways, in unusual ways. You don't usually see a path in the wilderness. You don't usually see a river in the desert. God says, I'm going to do something you've not seen before, something you don't anticipate. I'm going to do something special because you're my people. You're my chosen people, and I'm going to bless you. And here's why. Look at the next verse, verse 21. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. We're his chosen people. We belong to him. We're his cherished treasure. He wants to bless us. He wants to do great things for us that we're not anticipating, that are beyond our wildest imaginations, because he wants us to break forth in praise about what God is doing in our life. I mean, he wants to bless us so richly that we're going to tell everyone what God is doing. We're going to have a testimony to how good God is, a testimony to his greatness and to his power and majesty. That's the kind of God we serve, a God who astounds. Amen? But there's a problem. Notice the next verse. But you have not called upon me, Jacob. You've been weary of me, O Israel. That is the problem, isn't it? God wants to do amazing things, but we, sometimes we just don't ask God like we should. We, we want God to work miracles, and God wants to work miracles for us, but we don't really seek Him. We fall short when it comes to seeking Him. In fact, sometimes we get tired of seeking Him. We get weary of seeking God. The promises are there. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And, but there are conditions. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, then shall you call upon me, shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with what? All your heart. So there's conditions God wants to bless, but we have to seek him and we have to seek him with all of our heart. Half-hearted prayers are not going to cut it here in New Albany. Amen. The fact is that chasing God with our whole heart can tire you out. It's not easy. 
It's easy to have a half-hearted kind of religion, but a wholehearted religion is difficult. And we can be wearied in seeking God. But I believe that God wants to do something special for us in the coming months. If we will just seek him, if we will just call on him, it's going to be something so awesome that we are all going to burst out with praise. But there's something that gets in the way. It's our memory. You see this sometimes in a board meeting. I haven't been to one of your board meetings yet, so I don't know what to expect. But sometimes someone will come up with a great idea, something they want to try. And then you hear the people in the board meeting and they start saying things. Well, I remember we tried something like that. Or we did that once before. Or, uh, you know, you remember what happened when we did that last time? And we use our past experiences to limit what God's going to do in the future. We look at our limited results and we lose hold of, our, of, a, of a God that can astound. We lose faith in that. We look at our attendance patterns. We look at our giving records and the trends in our church. We, we look at how many people participate in our outreach programs and the kind of results that we get and, or we don't get in our church. And we focus on those things. We build a kind of a history in our mind about the way God works. And we expect he's going to work the same way tomorrow. We just assume the future is not going to be any different. But that's a problem because God says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Something different is going to happen in the future. Can I, I hope you don't mind. I don't know any other way to preach but to preach from the heart. And so I'll just, I'll just put it out there. I came here with a bit of trepidation. I had to wrestle with this exact question that we're talking about right now. I, I, I was saying, Lord, are you going to just do the same old, same old if we go to New Albany? Or are you going to do something new? Are you going to do something different in this church? Which is it? Because, you know, if it's just more of the same, I can stay right where I am here in North Dakota just fine. But I don't believe it's going to be more of the same here in New Albany. That's why we came. Something new is going to spring forth. God's going to do something. We're going to see it. We're going to know it together as a church. I don't know what it is, but I believe God is going to do something special in this church. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here today. Do you know why I believe we can expect something new in the coming months that we've never seen before? Something I've never seen, something you've never seen, something this church has never seen before, something our world may have never seen before? Do you know why I believe we're going to see that? I believe it because of the times that we're living in. Things are changing in our world, and they are changing fast. And in fact, the change is accelerating. The rate of change is accelerating. You know it, and I know it. And there's every indication, at least from my perspective, there's every indication that we are heading right into the final crisis. It's right ahead. Prophecy is unfolding right before our eyes. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? But my heart right now and it has been for some time, is burdened because of the things that are happening in our world. 
the very things that we've been warning about for 170 years are happening right before our eyes. And if you're studying the prophecies, you know where we're heading. Last week, Brother Swain preached a powerful sermon. I wasn't here, but I watched it on YouTube. And he mentioned something called Project 2025. I'm not going to talk about that right now. But what he said, I believe, if, I don't want to misquote you, what I believe what he said was that's just the tip of the iceberg. If he didn't say it, I'll say it. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Because the reality is for the first time in my life, and I've been watching this closely ever since I became a Christian at 20 years of age, I've been watching what's happening in our world closely for the first time in my life. I'm seeing all the major churches in our country coming together, uniting on those points of doctrine that they hold in common, and demanding political reforms that are designed to legislate Christian values. Now, many of those things we may agree with, but one of those things they're promoting is the exaltation of the first day of the week. It's happening. It's happening right now. The movement is swelling, and I believe it's going to snowball. It's only going to get stronger. Now, we're told in the Great Controversy that if this idea is once established, that the church can appeal to the state to enforce this dogma, if it is established just one time, does anyone know the rest of the quote? The triumph of Rome in this country is assured. Have you read that before? It's in the great controversy. There are millions of people in this country right now that have already reached that point. They've already come to that conclusion. And I have a hard time seeing that trend reversed. And I believe things could accelerate very quickly. We're talking months, maybe a few years. We could see things happening that we would never have imagined seeing even five years ago happen in 2024. Now, if that's true, if you really believe like I do that we are living right at the very end of time, if you sense it, I, I sense it, then you have to understand that there's something else that's going to happen before that. Amen? There's going to be a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit like this world has never seen before. We call that the latter rain. Sometimes we call it the refreshing. Sometimes we call it the loud cry. A great, massive revival among God's people that's going to give power and force to their work. That has to happen before the final crisis because that's what's going to strengthen us to go through that crisis. So if the final scenes are close, the latter rain has to be closer. Amen? And I'll tell you something. When the Holy Spirit is poured out with power, at last, in latter rain measure, we are going to see things we have never seen before happen. It's going to happen. There will be people flocking into this church, and we need to be ready for them. This passage is going to be more true in our day than any other time in human history. And God says, I'm going to do a new work. I'm going to do something you've never seen before. I believe we're going to see that. That's why I came to New Albany. I could have stayed up there in North Dakota. I was very comfortable and very happy. A little cold, but I was happy. 
But I believe God wants to do something right here in this area with this group of people, all of us together. Something we've never seen before. Something that will change the world. I believe it with all my heart. And I want to encourage you to embrace that future, that possibility by faith. To pray for that. To seek that. To work towards that. To pursue it. That together we can come together as a church and just chase after that with all of our hearts. Because it's time. It has to be. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is just looking for people to give their whole heart to him, and he is going to pour out power like we've never seen before. When he finds those people, he will bless them. And why can't it be here? I love that verse in Daniel 11, 32 and 33. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Do you like that verse? And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. God's looking for people that are willing to brave the challenges of our day and do exploits for God and teach many the gospel of the kingdom. Malachi chapter 4 says, In the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established, and the top of the mountains it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the house of the Lord. He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's going to happen in the last days. It's promised. Are we ready for that? John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. This is why we dare not look back on our past and define our future by what we've seen the last 20 years. It's too self-limiting. We're too late in the game. We're too far into the great controversy for the same old, same old to continue here in New Albany. Amen? I think maybe you're a little nervous. Wondering what kind of pastor you got here. I don't know. But I mean, this is where we're at, isn't it? We should be. We need to be expecting God to work in a supernatural way in our church. Something powerful, something beyond anything that we've seen before. Individually in our lives, in our families, in our church family, and spilling out into our community, and I believe to the uttermost parts of the earth. Psalms 2.8 says, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. I will give them to me if you just ask me. God can use this church to impact the world. I have no doubt about that. I believe it can happen. I believe it's time. In fact, I dare say it has to happen. It has to happen. If we would just embrace it by faith. You know, there are churches everywhere that have been there for years. They've plateaued, or worse, their membership is in decline. They're not really growing. They don't know how to reach new people. They're losing their youth, and some of the older members too. 
tried this, tried that, nothing seems to work. Yeah, you get a few souls here and there, sort of just by chance or whatever. But a massive movement that's turning our communities upside down, like what we see in the book of Acts, it's just not happening. And we come to the conclusion it's not ever going to happen because we're looking on our past and not looking to a God that astounds. Friends, we serve a big God. It's time to attempt exploits for God. It's time for the Lord to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. It's time to see things happen that we've never seen before. And it has to be. The time is now. Can you join with me in praying for that in this coming year? Hoping for that. And, and dare I say, believing in that, that it will happen. I don't know what God has in mind, but I'm convinced he wants to do something big. Something that's going to surprise us. I spent the last six years really doing nothing but studying and praying and researching and trying to find the answer to this question. How can we turn the world upside down? And I've got some things I'm looking forward to sharing. A lot of things I'm, I'm, I can't wait. Some training. I'm excited about that. But I believe God has something for us that none of us know. That it, We're all going to be surprised. If we'll just seek Him together with our whole hearts. And whatever He shows us, it's going to change everything in our church. So can you join me in praying for that this next year? May the Lord help us to fully embrace the future that God has for us because now is the time. The Lord's coming soon. Amen.